people. I want to talk to you today for the next couple of Sundays this summer. Um, I'm going to talk kind of along this theme, and it's going to kind of go in a little bit different directions, but kind of along this theme of, uh, of facing giants. Um, so basically what I'm talking to you about is how do we face the giants in our life? How do we face the tough things or the hard things in our life? Because all of us have them, right? Every one of us have things in our lives that are tough. You know, it can be a relationship. Um, it, can be a, it can be a marriage, which obviously is a relationship. It could be, uh, it could be a financial hardship. It could be a, a, a place that we're working that is just, it could be anything in our lives. It could be any circumstance, any situation in our lives that just becomes um, tough. And whether it's kind of small or big, if we're not careful over time, things become kind of giants in our life. And if we're not careful, as we're going to see in this story that we look at today, we can become like the, like the Israelites who serve a God who is almighty, who is big, who we know who he is, and yet we begin to cower in the face of the giants in our lives. And instead of moving out in faith, and instead of stepping forward and trusting God to do something in that situation, in that circumstance, we become paralyzed by fear. And it can be all kinds of different types of fear. It can be fear of men. It can be fear of what's going to happen if I move forward. And so for so many of us, as we're going to see in the story, we end up retreating and kind of like climbing into a clamshell and we kind of just close the doors and we don't ever really deal with that giant. And for some of you, I think probably some of the biggest giants in our lives are relational, aren't they? And there's been a relationship that's been misaligned for years or, or there's, there's a grudge that I've held for years against this person or, or he has hurt me or she has hurt me. And instead of just kind of dealing with it and getting it out in the open and then getting over it, we just kind of retreat and we're kind of afraid of it and we're afraid what's going to happen. And it's exactly as we're going to see in this story what the Israelites did as this giant of a man came out and faced him. So we're going to pick up this story, kind of give you a backdrop. And you guys know this story. We all, any of us that have any church background have known this story from a young age. And that's all good. And it's, and it's wonderful that we know the story. But so often, I think, with these, these types of stories, especially in Scripture, is they become so familiar and they become almost commonplace for us that we forget the lessons um, and all of the little nuggets of truth that are inside of one of these stories. So we're going to kind of pick it apart today, and we're going to learn some things about how we face the giants in our lives. But the story begins, obviously, with this battle. And we have the Israelite people, and God's chosen people, and we have the Philistines, who were the en- obviously the enemies. They were the bad guys, and they were camped on different sides of the valley. The soul, the, their armies were. And so they were camped out, and the Israelites were on this hill. The Philistines were on this hill, and there was this big valley in between them. And you can kind of picture that in your head. And every morning, literally every morning for 40 days, the Israelite army would come out of their camp, and they would line up in their formation as, as if they were going to go into battle. They would line up on their side of the valley, and the Philistines would come out of their camp, and they would their side of the valley, and they would begin to bang their shields, and they would bang their swords, and they would begin to do their chants as if they were going to go to war. 
40 days, consecutive days, they would come out of their camp, line up that they, how they were going to go to war, and this, what, this is what would happen every time they would do this. We pick up this story, 1 Samuel 17 and verse 4. So they were lined up, pretending they were going to go to war, right, doing their chant, appearing in a lot of ways to be very strong and to be very tough and ready to do whatever it took to get through this battle. Verse 4, it says, a champion named Goliath. And this, this word champion literally just meant he was like a warrior among warriors. He was undefeated, the champion. I mean, he was like, not only was he a giant, he was an extremely skillful fighter. So he had killed people. Nobody wanted to face him. They knew who he was. It says a champion named Goliath, he was from Gath, came out from the Philistine camp. So they're lined up doing their thing. This giant steps out from the camp. And it says he was over nine feet tall. He was like nine foot, nine inches. So he was huge, right? He was like this massive guy. It said he had a bronze helmet on his head, and he wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 125 pounds. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves or bronze armor on his legs, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear staff was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 15 pounds. His shield bearer went ahead of him. So get this picture in your head. We have God's people lined up over on this side of the valley. The enemy lined up over on this side of the, of the valley by who the Israelites had already defeated numerous times. So they knew that they were capable. They knew that their God big enough. But every time they would line up and get ready to go into battle, Goliath would step out and he would walk towards them and he would begin to jeer and make fun of them, right? And he was huge. It was a scary-looking giant. He wasn't just a regular warrior. He was extremely skillful. He was extremely large. His coat alone weighed 125 pounds. The spear, his spear head, just the, just the head of a spear was 15 pounds. So he was a fierce-looking guy. Verse 10. Then the feeling, he steps out, then he says this. This day I defy the ranks of Israel. And what it literally means here is he was spilling out profanities. It wasn't just a simple statement of, I defy the ranks of Israel. He was cursing and bringing down curses on God's people and on God's chosen army. He says, give me a man and let us fight each other. And it was a very common thing to happen in this in this uh, point in history, as armies would come and they would line up for battle, one of their best warriors would step on and say, listen, instead of, let's, instead of us killing a whole bunch of people, I'll come out, you bring your best warrior, and we'll just fight. And whoever wins, they win the battle. In other words, if I win, Goliath says, if I win, then you guys are all subject to us. But if your warrior kills me, then we're all subject. You will just settle it with one death. And it was a very common way to do it. So that's, what he's, uh, that's kind of what he's proposing here. He's saying, listen, I'll, I'm a warrior. I'm the Philistines' best. You give me your best and we'll fight. 
And whoever wins, this whole thing is going to be over. This whole thing is going to be all over. Verse 11, on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. So we have this mighty army of God. And we have Saul, who is the leader of this army. And by the way, Saul was the one that should have stepped forward and said, I'll fight. And I'll face this Goliath. But instead, every day that this guy would come out, they would all flee back to their tents, back to their camp, terrified, scared to death of Goliath. So as they looked on, here's, here's the thing. As you look at this story, and it's kind of, you, you kind of understand it, and yet you're like, you know, they knew that God was with them. They knew that they were God's chosen people. They had already beat the Philistines numerous times. Why didn't someone have the courage? Why didn't they do something? I mean, how long were they going to let this go on, right? For 40 days, they had done this. How long were they going to let this go on and allow this wicked man to defy them and to disgrace them? And yet as they looked at the situation, these men who were mighty, who by the way were warriors, thought that there's no way. Listen, there's no way. There's no way any of us are going to go out and beat this guy. He's nine foot nine. His arm span is like almost 10 feet. His spear weighs 15 pounds, just one little blow. I mean, they were like, there's no way I can deal with this. We have no one that can face this guy. And they knew that if they would go out and fight him, that they would probably be defeated, and it would bring disgrace not only in death, but it would bring, bring disgrace to the whole nation and would humiliate them in the eyes of everyone else. So they didn't know what to do. And so here's the reality, and you guys know this, is that me and you face similar situations in our lives. We face situations and circumstances that look like they're giants. And we think there is, how how am I ever, how am I ever going to see my way out of this? How is this relationship ever going to be reconciled? How is he or she ever going to change? How will we ever get past this? And so the question for you this morning is this, is what is your Goliath? Literally, like right now, what is your Goliath in your life? What is it? And here's what I bet is reality for some of you. Is that for some of you, you're having a hard time identifying your Goliath. And maybe the reason you're having a hard time identifying your Goliath is because it has become the norm in your life. And it's just become the way life is. And for years, there has been this thing, or there has been this over here, or that over there, and you have just retreated and retreated and retreated, and that giant has just remained in the valley and and is humiliating you and is holding you back, and you're not even sure that it's 
reality anymore. You're not even that aware of it anymore because it has just become normal. And you've just settled. And you've retreated. And you've said, I'll just always, here's the thing, I'll just always have a marriage that isn't great. And it's just the way it's going to be for me, and so I'm just going to settle for it. Or I'll always fill in the blank, and so you just retreat and you leave it. And you never step out and fight it. You know what? It could be an addiction. You could fill in the blank with anything. What is that thing? And if you're having a hard time identifying it, maybe it is. Because you have allowed it to become a normal part of your life. For 40 days, the best of the best in the Israelite army sat paralyzed in fear. And you know what? They came out every morning and they looked like they were ready for battle. They shouted the right shouts. But when it came to facing the giant, they all retreated and were paralyzed by fear. They were so scared of this giant. This giant was so big that they were broken and they were afraid and they were terrified. And I wonder sometimes if we as Christians settle into the exact same place. And we settle because we're broken and we're terrified and we don't want to face it. Well, today we're going to learn how do we get over that? What are some strategies for us to move into battle? How do we overcome some of this stuff? How do we, how do we move forward and face these giants? Because I'm telling you this. Anytime God allows, and I'm not going to say God causes, because God doesn't cause, but God allows things to come into your life that are difficult. Relationships, death, I don't care what it is. Anytime God allows it to come into your life, His intent is, for, is never for any of us to cower. His intent is for none of us to run back to the safety of the camp. God's intent is for us to enter into battle, to face those giants. And with his help, kill those giants. So here at this point in the story, David enters into the the scenario. David has seven brothers. There's eight boys. Three of his brothers are in the Israelite army. Right? So David, who is the youngest, and by the way, I did a little bit of research on this because I was just curious, and maybe you guys already know, they, they disagree a little bit on the age of what David was at this point, but it varies from 15 to 18 or 19 years old. So he was young. He was like either 15, 16, 17, somewhere around in that, in that range. Three of his older brothers were with the Israelite army. David was staying at home taking care of his father's sheep. He was the youngest out of this whole family, seven brothers. So his dad sends him, Jesse calls him in, he says, and this was commonplace that the family would provide food and the things that their boys needed while they were at war. He calls David and he says, listen, I've got this stuff I want you to take to your brothers. I want you to go find them, see how they're doing, and give them the food and whatever all it was, and and bring back a report to me. So David does exactly what his father tells him. He takes his things, finds their camp. He leaves 
He leaves the food and the things for him at the camp, and he goes out on the battle line because that's where they were to find his brothers. And he's talking to these these brothers right as Goliath comes out and begins to taunt. In verse 23, we pick up the story. It says, As David was talking to his brothers, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. And here's the first strategy as we enter into battle against our giants, and it is this, is that we have to hear the lies. We have to recognize the lies. It says David heard it. He heard this giant spewing out these things and spewing forth these lies and spewing forth these these obscenities, and David heard it. He listened to it. It registered within him. And the reason that we have to hear the the reason we can't just ignore them is so that we can know the truth, so that we can remember and so that we can remember exactly what the lies are, so that we can know what the truth is. So don't be scared to listen, don't allow the lies to influence you, but hear them. You know, it's too big for you. You'll never get out of this. You'll never have a great marriage. You'll never have a good relationship. He'll never forgive you. She'll never forgive you. Hear the lies, but know the truth. And recognize the truth. Verse 26. David says, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? In other words, who is this guy that's not even in a covenant relationship? with the same God I'm in relationship with. Who is this guy? Who who does he think he is? Who is he that he should defy the armies of the living God? David at this point is beginning to get angry. And he's mad. He's like, who does this guy think he is? Who does this giant think he is to come in and begin to tell us lies? And to begin to, to... to bring fear into our lives and to try to dominate us, right? So the question for me and you is this, is what are the lies that you're believing? What are the lies that you, what are the lies that I have, if, if we're honest enough, what are the lies that we've kind of bought into? And we've not just heard, but we've allowed to sink into the inside of who we are. That things will never be different, that I'll never get out from under this, that he or she, whatever, fill in the blank. What are those lies? That I'm not good enough, that I don't have enough to offer, that that God's not going to use me like he did him or her or whatever it is. What are those lies that you'll never be able to accomplish? Just fill in the blank. What are the lies? And then you can begin to answer some of them lies with the truth. I can never fill in the blank and counter it with this truth, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things, not some things, not the easy things, but all things. I can do all things. Fill it in with the truth that says, He will never leave me or forsake me. God is always with me. That, that nothing can remove me from the love of my heavenly Father. And on and on, Scripture is so full of all of these things that God will work out all things to the good. That's an amazing promise. 
Whatever the lies are, whatever the fears are, you're going to say, no, that's not true because Scripture tells me that God's going to work out everything for my good because I love Him. Might not be in my timing, might not be exactly the way I see it, but I'm going to rest and trust in the fact, in the truth, that everything is going to work out for my good. Rest in the fact that you are an eternal child of God. Listen, hear the lies and recognize that they are lies, but know the truth. Know the truth. Everybody sees that David begins to get upset and he begins to ask questions and he goes from different people to different people and the word gets back to Saul about this young guy, this young kid, David. In verse 32, Saul, Saul calls for David. And here's what David says, a 16 or a 17-year-old boy, the king, in the presence of the king, in verse 32, he says, he says, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Listen, he's like, he's like listen, don't, don't let this guy bother you. Don't let the lies of this giant bother you anymore. I'm going to fight him. If nobody else is going to fight him, I'll do it. It's an amazing story. David was moved into action. And he was ready to go into action. And that leads us to the next point. This one is so important. You know what? I need to say this carefully, but I think sometimes um, we as Christians fail each other because we become, you know what we need to do is we need to encourage each other. And yet I think so often we discourage each other. And we may even do it with good motives. Right? But here's the second point in your outline is this, is is don't listen to the naysayers. Don't listen to the naysayers. Don't listen to the people in your lives that say you'll never accomplish. Don't listen to the people in your lives that say you're dreaming too big. Remember a couple of weeks ago I talked about how God uses people to speak into our lives? Listen, if it's the right people, if it's the right people, You can listen, and you can hear them, and you can take things from them. But listen, don't listen to the people that always are the naysayers. You'll never do it. You'll never accomplish it. You're thinking way too big, or you're thinking whatever it is. Because David steps up, and he takes on a huge responsibility. And he says, listen, I'll fight this giant. I know he's way older than me. I know he has, I have no experience as a warrior. But I'm not going to allow him, I'm not going to allow this giant to bring humiliation to my people and humiliation to my God. I'll fight him. And the first thing that he encounters was someone telling him that he couldn't do it and that he shouldn't do it and that he was crazy. Verse 33, Saul says, you're not able to go outside against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy, and he has been a fighting man from his youth. Saul's like, listen, you, you could never do it. What are you thinking? You don't have the resources. You don't even have 
a sword. You don't have a shield. You don't have experience. You're too young. Whatever else you want to fill in there. Listen, I know this. I know this is true in your life. I know this is true in your life. Is there some giants in your life that you would love to face? And you're scared of what people have said and are going to say. And what they're going to think. And you're scared to death that you might fail. Or you're scared to death it might blow up in your face. And then what are people going to think? And then what are people going to say? And I'm just telling you, you be careful to the voices that you listen to and you hear. Don't listen to the naysayers. Instead, instead of listening to the naysayers, remember your God stories. I love this. Remember your God stories. In other words, remember how God was faithful in the past. And it's as simple as this. If you're, if you're here and you've been a Christian for any amount of time and you followed and you followed him, I promise you, you can look in the past and God has been faithful. I promise you. Go back to those times and go back to those stories and say, but he was faithful. And listen, here's what I know is true, is he might not have been faithful exactly like you hoped, and he might not have been faithful in the timing that you were wanting him to be faithful in, but he's always been faithful. And you look at, don't listen to the naysayers. Look at and remember God's story in your life. And remember that he's been faithful and he's been good. And this is exactly what David does. David remembers the time, right? You guys know the story. David says, no, wait a minute. Saul, I hear what you're saying. And actually, you know what, Saul? There's some validity in what you're saying. But... I remember a time when I was tending sheep and a lion came and got one of the sheep and a bear came and got one of the sheep and I went after them and I rescued the sheep from their mouth and then when they came after me, I killed them with my bare hands. And if God can help me kill a lion and if God can help me kill a bear, I know that he can help me kill this giant. David went back David went back to the faithfulness of God in his life. And he said, listen, God was faithful back there. I know that he's going to be faithful right here. And you guys can do the same thing. Verse 37, and David said, talking to Saul, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. God did it before, and God's going to do it again. And I would just say this, if you're a Christian and you've been a Christian for any amount of time and you don't have any God stories in your past, then you need to do something where God can show up. Then you need to do something where God needs to show up so that you have some God stories. Because God is faithful. Doesn't always work out exactly like you think. It doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes. You know God's okay with mistakes. As long as we're acting in faith, I really believe that. 
Remember your God stories. And then we go to the next part of the story where David and Goliath actually face off. So it says that David approaches Goliath. David approaches, Goliath approaches. And here comes Goliath, nine feet, some inches tall. All this armor, a shield bearer that comes out in front of him holding this big shield. It's probably all this guy could do to hold this shield up. And him and David are approaching each other across the valley. David, at this point, has already tried on Saul's armor and Saul's spear and his shield, and he walks around it a little bit, and he, and he takes it off, and he says, I can't wear that. I'm not used to it. I can't even move in it. So he takes all this stuff off, and here comes David, this young boy, across the valley toward Goliath. They're walking together. Goliath is who he is. David is exactly who he is. He's just himself. He's in his shepherd clothing, and the only weapon that he's carrying is a slingshot and five stones. By the way, I was reading the other night about this, and they say that the stones, they estimate the stones were about the size of a tennis ball. So it's not a little stone like this that you picture. It was a big stone. No wonder it did some damage, right? But here's David and Goliath walking across the valley at each other. What a giant of a man. A professional warrior. And David, a young boy, with only a slingshot and five smooth stones is what the Bible says. And Goliath is looking and he's like, what are they sending out here? You know, it's just a kid. And he's kind of insulted. Or I should say he is insulted. Verse 43 and 44, he said, He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. Goliath is angry. He's like, are you kidding me? He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods, little gods. And then he says, come here and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Goliath is like, is this a joke? He's like, are you serious? You're sending a boy, a shepherd. You're not even going to send a warrior out into the valley. And here's the thing, don't you wonder, don't you wonder what was going through David's mind at this point as he's walking out on the valley to face this giant of a man. And I have to wonder, the Bible doesn't tell us anything, but I wonder if there are any doubts creeping up into David's thoughts. And he's like, oh, brother, what did I get myself into? You know, it would have to be something like that going on. It's like, oh, man, I didn't realize he was 10 feet tall. You know, and I I didn't realize. And the doubts and the fears that had to creep into David's heart and to his mind had to have. And yet, the way David responds gives us another strategy as we go into battle. And it is this, is don't, here's where so many of us go wrong. Don't focus on the giant, but instead focus on God. Don't focus on how big your giant is. Don't focus on how big the problem is. 
Don't focus on how hard it's going to be, but focus on how big your God is. And that's exactly what David did. So often we look, isn't, even when we look at this story, you know what we do? We think, oh man, and I even did it now. David's out there, no armor. David's out there and he's never done this before. And a giant is way taller, way stronger, has all of the equipment, has all of the advantage. And we focus on what we don't have and we focus on how big the giant is instead of focusing on how big our God is. What we need to do instead of doing that is we need to compare our giant to our God. Verse 45 and 46, And David said to the Philistine, here was David's response. Here was David's response. He said, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin. In other words, you come against me with all of this stuff and all of this fancy stuff and a spear that's got a head that weighs 15 pounds. I understand everything you've got. I see it. You come against me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied this day. And then he makes this incredible statement from a 17-year-old boy speaking to a 9-foot-9 giant. He says, This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I will strike you down, and I will cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistines' army to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the earth. And then the whole point of this whole thing, David tells him, the whole point of this whole thing, So the whole world, and the whole world, will know that there is a God in Israel. It's an amazing, powerful statement by a very young boy. He says, Nah, Goliath, you're not going to feed my flesh to the birds. I'm not the one that's going to die here. My God is going to deliver you into my hands, and I'm going to kill you, I'm going to cut your head off. And the exact opposite of what you thought you were going to do to me is what's going to happen to you. And it's all for one reason. It's all so that the world will know that there is a God in Israel who is an amazing, powerful God. We need to stop comparing the giant to ourselves. Because here's what I know is true. It's true in my life and it's true in your life. Is your giants most of the time, well, I should say, your giants all of the time will be bigger than you. If they're not bigger than you, they're not a giant. And if you don't have any giants in your life, then do you really need God in your life? Giants are in your life so that people will know that there is a God in your camp. 
See, the giants aren't there just to give you a hard time. The giants are there for you to battle against. The giants are there so that you need God and so that God receives the honor and receives the glory. And when you and I don't step out and get ready to go to battle and rely on what God has done in the past for us, He doesn't receive the honor and He doesn't receive the glory that is due Him. And when we retreat... From the, from the giants in our life, we do, him, we do him dishonor because we're not allowing him to show himself strong and for him to show himself faithful and for him to show himself good. So stop focusing on yourself and begin to focus on how big your God is. Hear the lies so you know what they are. But know the truth. But know the truth. And counter the truth. Counter the lies with truth. Remember what God has done for you in the past. And don't focus on the giant. Focus on God. And I would just say this as as a challenge. You know what, David? There's so many things you can take out of this lesson with David. David didn't wait around for something new to come into his life. David didn't go, he tried on the armor and the sword, and he said, it's not for me. You know what David did? He took exactly what was in his hands. David took exactly what was in his hands, and he went to battle. He took a slingshot and five smooth stones. He was familiar with it. He had used it. He had it with him, and he went to battle. And I would just say this, take what God has given you right now. Don't wait and say, well, in a month or in a year or in five years. It doesn't mean you shouldn't improve and you shouldn't look for things. I'm not saying that, but take what God has given you right now. God has given you everything you need to do everything he wants you to do right now. Let's go to war. Let's go to battle. Let's not retreat. Remember your God's stories. Remember how good God is. Let's pray.